Amen. Yeah, hallelujah. So good to be with you. Glad you're here in person, and those of you that are joining us online, grateful to be in God's house with you and seeing and listening and watching and experiencing everything that God has going on. And I want you to know that God's up to something, and He is moving. And I pray today that you will feel the impact of the Holy Spirit in your life right where you are, because God is wanting to do something significant for you. I want to be very bold and out front with you and say that we are celebrating Jesus Christ. Yeah, we need to be bold about our faith and we need to let the world know that Jesus is the Savior of the world and he is God and he's the only one. All right, now the reason we say that is because I'm sure many of you were watching the Michigan game yesterday, right? All right, well, you know I'm from Michigan and they won the Big Ten Championship and they're 13-0. I don't know if you knew that, but I just want to enlighten you. Anyway, those of you that aren't Wolverine fans, it's okay. Just let me share something with you. It's, I'm, I'm not just talking about that because we're undefeated, but because, you know, we've suffered a lot of years too. So, but let's this. Somebody just shut my mic off. Come on now. Where are you, from Ohio or something? Anyway, so here's the reason. Like last month we did um, Take Back Tucson here, right? You guys know that? We did a Take Back Tucson event down at Armory Park. And Brooke is a um, reporter from Channel 9 News here in Tucson, and she came out to do an interview of the story and what's happening and the impact. And so uh, Pete, who plays the bass, and Ken, he's on security. They're the ones that um, instrumented that whole thing happening down there and kind of helped with us to, they led it to make that happen. And so Brooke did an interview with them. They were to share their story and stuff. And so they were excited that that happened and they were going to be able to talk about Jesus and that. And it would be on the news. And I was like, they're not going to put Jesus on the news, just so you know. They're not. I said, they're going to take some of your story in that, but they're not going to talk about Jesus. His name's, you know. Not that I didn't want them to be discouraged because they were all excited about that opportunity. And it was still great because she came out and did the, uh, the announcement of the story right by our sign out there and stuff. So it was cool. God's getting a word out. He's awesome. But they took Jesus out, of course. So I was uh, encouraging them, and this is the reason, and I am going to talk about the Michigan game on purpose in a minute, but let's go to this moment and then touch that moment. So what happened was I told those guys, like, you know, the cool thing about it is you got to share your entire salvation story. You brought glory to Jesus Christ. You told him he was the answer, and the reason your life has changed now, they went back in the editing room, and all those people that were editing it had to listen to it, right? The reporter heard it. The camera person heard it. Everybody in the editing room heard it. Everybody that God wanted to hear it heard it because he's amazing, and I love that. It's like, hey, you know, we think it's going to be everywhere. God's like, hey, how about you and you and you? You need to hear this, and we don't know who they are. God does. Isn't he cool? I love that. So here's the disappointing thing about the Michigan game. Afterwards, we heard from the coach and a couple of the players, and they started off by saying, I want to give all glory to God, which is awesome. That's not disappointing. And our Savior, amazing, glad to hear it, never said the word Jesus. Now, they said God, and I believe that those that were talking know Jesus, and that's who they're talking about. But they didn't say the name Jesus, and you know why? Because we've already been conditioned in our culture that you don't say Jesus. It's true. 
at your workplace in recovery meetings and different things. They don't want you to say Jesus. We're totally fine with people talking about God. We're fine with everybody being spiritual because everybody is. But once we designate Jesus Christ, we have designated truth that is unmistakable and unchangeable and uncompromisable so that it is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only. And I'm going to be very bold with you online and you in person and say that we as a church need to step out and be way more bold about proclaiming the name of Jesus and not just talk about our spiritual life and not just talk about God. I think those are important. Hear me. But make sure when you're talking about your God, your Savior, they know it's Jesus. Because he is the one and only There's not a bunch of roads leading us to heaven. There's one, and it's through the cross and the empty tomb. And Jesus Christ is the only way. He declared that truth, and that's why nobody wants to hear it. Everybody wants to be comfortable in their own choices. Well, you can't be comfortable in your own choices if your choices aren't in line with God. And the reason why so many people are jacked up today is because we're busy making our own choices and telling God he ought to fix it. He already did. That's why he came. And the Savior of the world is Jesus Christ, church, and we've got to be bold about that. Now, here's the deal. I'm going to talk to you today about something we've been talking about for two weeks. I'm not re-preaching anything, but it's Christmas season, right? And so y'all been already, if you're married, you already have had on your TV in your house either Hallmark or American Family Movies. I, I said... Um, you will. You, once you grow a little bit older, you'll start watching them. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, there's a reason I'm saying that anyway. So uh, as that thing, the season goes on, you know, like um, y'all, uh, I should probably do a few devotionals from around my house because it looks like um, a Hallmark movie in our home. My wife has been decorating since the day after Thanksgiving. I mean, like literally, she hasn't stopped since the day after Thanksgiving till last night we were going to bed and she'll probably be doing more today. So, like, it's everything in the house has got something Christmas on it, which I love. I do, honestly. I love Christmas. It's amazing. The day after Thanksgiving is when it should start, not September. And the 26th, it's over. Pack your stuff and move on. But anyway, um, (laughs) it's just a joke. I like to mess with people, but I do do that. Um, My my brother and sister, sorry, but you guys are going to hear this for a second. I'm just going to tell you a personal thing. My my brother and sister-in-law are coming with my nephew and his kids. They've never, my nephew and his kids have not been here yet. And they're coming down uh, on Tuesday the 27th. So my sister-in-law texted me and said, do not put your Christmas stuff away until I get there. Because she already knows I am. Like, I'm normally on the 26th. I get up, well, today's task is this. Let's go get these lights down. So... I took pictures and sent them to her and said, no promises. All right, so let's move on. So what about these stories? You know, stop like talking about God without mentioning Jesus Christ. Now, when we watch programming, you guys watch programs. I know you do. I don't care what one they are. Well, I do care what one they are, but don't tell me. All right, so, but a lot of times there's stories that have, you know, connections, second part, third part. And I've watched some of those things. And when you do, at the very beginning, they give you kind of a recap. And what I like about DVRs and stuff like that is I don't have to watch that stuff. I just go down to the bottom and skip, 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 get it. That's the way I watch everything. 
Oh, I have no commercials, no nothing, just I don't like it, I don't watch it. And so, like, I don't even watch football games live. I record them, and then I look at score and say, do I want to watch that? Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> just so you know how I am. I'm like, hey, I'm not going to waste my time if they lose. That's terrible. Why would I want to depress myself? So as I go down to that story, though, and I'm bouncing through, I'm like, man, I was here last week. I saw that. I heard that. I don't want to see that again. Guess what? You're going to hear it again. We don't have one of those modes on the church service. So I'm sorry if you want to like push that button, but it's not going anywhere, so push all you want. Father's Day many years ago at the old campus, I actually, we used to hand out a paper bulletin, and I printed a remote on it, and uh, I gave it to all the guys, and I said, just hold that in your hand so you can listen to the service. But the mute button doesn't work, so just relax, all right? Anyway, come on, you guys are like, just stay with me, you ready? All right. So the last two weeks, we were talking about Elijah and the fact that he's a man just like you and I. He's a human being. And God's word is trying to get us to understand who God is in our life through giving us someone like Elijah to see through how God works and what God can do through plain and ordinary human beings. And so we read that scripture in James 5. Elijah was as human as we are. And he prayed and earnestly and no rain fell for three and a half years, prayed again in the rain, right? So we went through all that. Then we go back and we, we look at the story last Sunday again, saying how, you know, Elijah went as God directed him to go confront King Ahab, who was an evil king that was not serving God, his wife Jezebel. They're all wicked. Comes to confront him and says, hey, it's time for a showdown. You call your people that worship gods, plural, and they're no gods, and, and then I'll be there for God. And we'll have a showdown on the mountain. Everybody come on out. Whoever answers by fire is God. Of course, they didn't have any fire because he's not God. There are no other gods besides our God, the God of the Bible, the Savior of the world. He's it. So all that other stuff doesn't work. You can try anything you want to in your spiritual life. But until you turn to Jesus, there's going to be no hope and no change for you. That's just straight up truth right there. Accept it or not, you can reject it. God's given you that free will because he loves you, but it's truth. So here he goes. Go ahead, have at it. So they have an all-day church service doing all their stuff and no fire falls. We read there that he comes up and Elijah says, all right, everybody, time's up for them. They did nothing. Come on over here. Builds the altar. Does less than a 20-second prayer. You're God. Nobody else. Prove it. Show these people who you are. Fire comes. Bam. All God. Less than 20 seconds, then he's like, hey man, rain's coming. God said for me to tell you it's coming, so head back to town. Goes up on the mountain and he prays seven times before a cloud appears, right? All at God's direction. So the human part of it is for us to see this and relate as we're going forward. We're not staying here, but it's for us to understand that God moves in his own perfect time in his own perfect way. He's not on our schedule. He doesn't do things because we want him to do them. He's not like a genie that's just waiting for us to give commands. God's doing his thing, and he knows what he's doing. So because Elijah had to ask seven times, you and I may not know why. I don't know why. God doesn't explain himself, nor does he need to. He said, it's going to rain. Go pray for rain. Seven times, there's a cloud. Didn't even see the rain yet, but he's like, head to town. It's coming, right? So in the midst of this, we read this, that there's a monsoon rain coming. It's not just a little sprinkle like you had when you came to church today. 
It's a full-fledged monsoon rain that's happening. And the rain is pouring down. And in the midst of that storm, after experiencing that fire, he gets a message from the queen saying, you're dead, I'm going to kill you tomorrow. And what's he do? He runs. Just, it's still like, I sit back and I'm like, dude, man, you are crazy. And I know I was crazy because I've done stupid things too. But I mean, just think about this, right? Like, I just saw fire from heaven fall. A simple little prayer like, hey, God, do this because you said you would. Boom, there it is. Now it hasn't rained in three and a half years and it's monsoon rain outside. My God did that. Now I get a message from the queen saying, you're dead. And I'm like, I'm dead. I got to run. Right? Put that in perspective. This is why James tells us he was human just like me and you. Okay, that's not an excuse. That's not for us to say, whoo, I'm so glad that he ran in fear. Now I can. No, that is not the point. The point is to show us something about our humanness and his godness. So now you know he runs and hides in the cave. God calls him out. When God calls him out and he's talking to him, he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? We read it last week. Hey, I've been zealously serving the Lord God Almighty. The people of Israel broke their covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Well, if you read that whole story, we read it last week, he wanted to die. He said to God, I'm like, I'm ready to die. Well, if you wanted to die, why did you leave? (laughs) So he really didn't want to die, but he said he wanted to die. Okay, so just like we know right now that he's in his flesh, that he's in his human, that he's not where God wants him because God said, what are you doing here? God says, come out, stand before me. This is when the, the winds come, the rocks fall, earthquake happens, fire falls. I mean, like, godness all over the place, right? Just like he already experienced godness. And God's like, kind of like waking him up. Like, this is who I am, you know. I'm all powerful God. But the word says that he wasn't in any of that other stuff and he was in the whisper. Hey. (laughs) Sound of a gentle whisper. I'm reading the scriptures here. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Church, we mentioned this last week, and I'm mentioning it again. I feel as we were coming to church today, and as God was speaking this message into my heart, it started last Sunday morning at the end of the service. And I want you to know that I shared with the earlier service today, and I'm sharing it with you and those of you that are online. I absolutely feel stirring in my heart that God wants to do something amazing for someone here today. I believe that. I mean, like, God is ready to speak into you and get you out of the cave. All right, church, let's, let's just confront the real issue that we're dealing with right here. When we get ourselves in places that God has not directed us or led us to, he will confront us with the question, what are you doing here? And usually when God says, what are you doing here? We, like Elijah, defend ourselves and make excuses 
and kind of share our resume. Like he's talking about all the good things he's done as if God didn't know, right? And he's also trying to declare his own righteousness by talking about how bad everybody else is. You know that negotiation thing you do with God? I know none of you do it, but Christian people do this sometimes. They're like talking to God about everything they've done for him. And what they're trying to get him to do is to understand he needs to do something for them. But if you listen to what's going on here, we'll see, as we see from the very start, Elijah is all about himself in this moment. And once you shift gears into self, which is fear-driven, you begin to justify who you are, where you're at, what you're doing, and what's wrong with everybody around you but you. Look what Elijah did. I'm the only one. God is me and you against the world. God didn't say, hey, it's just me and you, buddy. Let's go do this thing. God didn't need Elijah. He allowed Elijah to be used by him. So both times, God asked that gentle question again. What are you doing here? He make excuses again. Both times, Elijah declared his own righteousness, his service to God, everything that's going on. I've served you zealously, Lord. I mean... The people have broken the covenant, but I'm here with you. They've torn down your altars. I built it up. You see what's going on? Do you hear that's them and me? And I'm the right one and they're the wrong one? Throughout his explanation, Elijah is talking about his own self-righteousness and everybody else is wrong. So Elijah is still not willing to face why he is where he is. Listen, church, please hear this. Please hear me online, all of you. Some of us are stuck in a cave of our own choosing because we're unwilling to face the reason we're there in the first place. Now, we can live in the cave if we want to, but it's not where God wants us. And some Christians are even living in a cave, hanging up pictures, dwelling in that darkness, and staying back in here and saying, I'm here because I've been hurt by this, that, and this. That's broken in the world. I've been faithful to you. Everything out there is painful and it sucks. And therefore, I'm staying in the cave. Well, God never meant for us to live in the cave. Remember what Jesus said? You are a light to the world, a city set on a hill, not someone that's to go into hiding. We've been programmed in our whole society. Don't you ever say the name Jesus. We need to shout it from the rooftops. Jesus Christ is the only hope for people. Our family's lost and going to hell without him. Our culture's lost and going to hell. Our nation's lost and going to hell. The world is lost and going to hell unless they hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And if we're all hiding in caves, they're never going to hear. They're never going to know. And we're never going to see what God really wants to do. God wants to do something, church. He's not willing that anyone goes to hell. That's why he gave his life. Church, that's the word of God. And the church has been like programmed into hiding. I mean, it's, I'm frustrated with the church as a whole because we've just allowed darkness to just come in. And we're just kind of timidly going along. And we quote the scriptures. Well, it says in the end times, things are going to get worse and worse. So it's not going to get any better. There's no hope. 
The Antichrist and the beast are on the threshold. I'm fading into the darkness on purpose. I'm not leaving y'all. Look, this is what we're doing. The church needs to stand up and be the light that we've been called to be. God is calling us, church, to step out of the cave, to face the reality of who our God is and what he's doing and what he wants to do. God still wants to do something. Do you believe that? I believe it. And stop hanging pictures on the cave walls. You don't belong there. Stop living in the cave of your brokenness and of your choice. Fear put us there, not God. (laughs) Okay. Until we're ready to serve God and let him lead, there is no hope and there's no peace for us, just so you know. Today, if we are ready to acknowledge where we are, which is where it starts, surrender to God's plan over ours, then we'll experience peace, we'll experience God's purpose, and we'll know why we were created. It's never going to happen any other way. So this is amazing here, right? You know, that was your recap, by the way, with a little extra. <laughs> Some of you guys were in the bathroom or drinking coffee were part of that, so you needed to hear it again. You ready? After God questions Elijah on why, why he is where he is, God then speaks a new direction into his life. Listen to it in 1 Kings 19.15. You ready? This is for us, church. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. <laughs> We're going on. I'm not going to stop reading there, but I've just got to pause and let's let that sink in, man. It's like, I'm running to hide. I'm over here now. I'm safe. Let's go, Lord. Let's go on. He's like, you're going to have to go retrace your steps. You were never supposed to be here in the first place, so come on, walk back over there. (laughs) Go back the same way you came. (laughs) When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be the king, then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazael will be killed by Jehu, And those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. God's awesome, isn't he? Hey, men. Hey, gentlemen in this room, all of you guys listening online, you are not a wimp for serving Jesus. God calls warriors to serve him. He is calling for men of God to step up and be the warriors that he has called. We see that Elisha killed 450 prophets of Baal. And God said, hey, man, I got another dude that's going to follow behind you. And he's going to whack some people, too. No, I'm not telling you to go whack people. Don't misunderstand me. But what I am saying is our culture has said that any men of God are wimps. You need to be a warrior to be a man of God. You need to step up and be the man of God and wear the armor of God and show yourself as a warrior. It's time the men of God step up, and I'm thankful for all you guys that are here, man. God bless you. That is not a disrespect to you women. You need a warrior in your life. God has ordained this and called it, so just relax and let God do his thing. All right? We're going to move on. Don't want to get off on that because I could in a good way. Listen to what God says here to him, right? He's just like, this is what's going down. You got an appointment with this guy, appointment with this guy, appointment with this guy. This is what's happening. And I'm up to something. He's awesome. 
And then check it out. This is what God says next. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Hmm. All right. When God confronts us on where we are and why we're in the cave, we will have to face some of the very things we wanted to avoid in the first place. When we allow our flesh and fear to take over, we go places God never intended. We do that to avoid. And now God's like, I'm going to have you go back that same road and I'm going to have some appointments for you. You're going to meet with this person, this person, this person, this person, because I'm up to something. And now that you're about to get out of yourself and you're going to start following my lead, you go back and you're going to confront some people Y'all are going to have to confront some people in your life, by the way. We're going to talk about that in a second. But, you know, God's awesome. We can't just simply act like nothing has happened in the past to get us where we are. All of us have had stuff happen in our past. And some of us have chosen to allow those things to dictate my decisions in the direction of my life. So again, I shared this with the other service. I've shared this in the past. As I've walked with God through the years and I had to forgive my father seven different times over seven different issues that God brought to my attention, I realized in the series of time and as I was walking with God that I was blaming my father, whose name is Larry. So I, well, I called him Larry in the last service. That's not disrespectful. I want you to know he's a... He's an individual human being that he's going to answer to God, and so am I. And I know he's my father, and I respect him. But I had to forgive him. But in the process of my forgiving of him, God began to reveal to me and show me that I used him as an excuse to do what I did. That's what I did. Now, did he do things that contributed to my messed upness? Yeah. But my messed upness was my choice. My dad never told me, hey man, go over there and become an introvert. While you're over there, why don't you do some drugs? While you're in your bedroom, why don't you get a bottle and start drinking? Why don't you go out there and, and induce yourself into something so that you can come out of your shell and be loud and obnoxious in the world? My dad never told me to do any of this. I chose to do those things and I blamed him. And so God's like, hey, you can forgive him for all that, and you need to. But Dave, you got to confront yourself now. This is what he's doing with Elisha. See, what Elisha was doing was, all the people have turned their backs on you. None of them are serving you, God. They're terrible. I'm the only one. Me, me, me. God, me and you are together in this, and everybody else is against us. What are you doing here? See how God brings it back to us? He's bringing it back, and he's like, why don't you look in the mirror? Why don't you look at yourself for a second? Come on out here. I want you to be in front of me, and I want you to see yourself in this context of where you are and who I am. Huh. There's going to be people that God's going to lead us to that we have to forgive, church. God's going to bring us to these places as we navigate this road of his direction where we will have to forgive people, and ask people to forgive us. We'd rather just kind of throw a cloak on it and say, oh God, forgive me, I forgive everyone, you forgive everyone that I've screwed up, God, let's just move forward from here. 
that's awesome. You know, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? I mean, like, oh, yeah, just like forget them. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have to deal. No, that's not the way it works. God said, Elisha, I want you to go back the way you came because I have appointments for you. So you and I have appointments, divine appointments from God. It's not, God didn't say, I'm going to bring all these people together in one place and you're going to talk to them right there together. No, God just saying like, I'm going to have appointments for you, dude. And here they are. So God also let Elijah know that he wasn't alone. Even though Elijah felt like, thought he was, and was enclosed in the cave saying, it's just me and you, God's like, hey, dude, there's 7,000 other people like you. You're not alone. Stop with the whole self thing and understand that God's up to something. We're not the only church preaching Jesus. We're not the only people serving God today. God's like, you're not alone. You're not exclusive. You're not the only God's up to something, and he's moving. And he's like, Elijah, open your eyes, man. I've got 7,000 others that will stand for me. See, the world wants us to think we're all alone, and if we let them tell us, we will go hide in a cave. We're not alone. And God is still on the throne. We were just singing it today. He's the same God. Isn't he amazing? He's so good. 1 Corinthians 10. Here's where God wants to talk to us. You know, like, like I said, we can make all the excuses and, about our difficulties in life and stuff, but listen, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. So all of you that are like, I'm right with God, everything is good, like, that's good. Don't get cocky. Don't get all self-righteous on us. Just understand that that's a great place to be, but you've got to stay surrendered to stay there. Right? Okay. Goes on, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will also show you a way out so that you can endure. So church, like respectfully I say to you, you're not that special. Like some people want to be like, they're the victim in everything, and nobody's had it worse than them. God's words like, hey, people are dealing with stuff just like you. And I know people have had a lot. I know some of your stories, and you've had it way worse than me. I get that. And you'd be like, oh, your story, your life is like a fairy tale. Well, it is to you, but it was a nightmare to me because it's the only reality I know. And so I allowed it to damage me just like you allowed it to damage you. And you're like, wait a minute. I didn't do it. Some other people did it to me. Maybe they did. I'm not denying that. It could have been someone that damaged you, that affected your life. Remember what I was talking about, how I blamed my dad? He did things in front of me, to me, and all that stuff that damaged me and damaged my view of him and of God and all that. Yep, that all happened, okay? But the fact of the matter is that I had to choose to either believe in the real God or the God I wanted to believe in and blame for the situations of my life. And therefore, I chose to blame God and hold it against him because, I mean, he's God, all right, and he's all-powerful, so why did this happen to me? Why is this going on? Why am I in this situation? Why do I live here? Me, 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 fix it. I want a better life, right? Isn't that what happens to us when we live in ourselves? Look, the fact of the matter is God's word says we're not alone. Everybody's dealing with junk. Everybody. Nobody here has had it worse than everybody on the planet. 
So we're not that special. God's word says other people have faced what you're facing. It's not an excuse. Stop looking at circumstances in life as an excuse to hide in a cave. God is calling us out. We're not alone in our fight. We can't just live in a cave and wait to die. And man, I I just tell you, God is bigger. God is healer. Man, we were singing it. The songs that God had for us today as we were singing, it's declaring his victory in every way. Who he is, he's the same God. He is bigger, he's a healer, he is ready to move. God wants to move. God wants to give direction in our life. But we've got to surrender, face him, and deal with the issues that we have going on inside of ourselves before we can ever get the direction to do what he wants us to do. He's an amazing God. God has a plan, church. And so if he says, you're going to walk back over here and deal with this, there's a reason for it. Okay? The plan is for forgiveness. That's where it starts. It's right there. There are multiple people in our past that we will need to forgive and those that we will need to ask to forgive us. I know that it's not like, not everybody's available and God's not like asking you to like deal with everybody all at once. And there'll be people in your life that you can't face and maybe you shouldn't. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit needs to be the one that leads us into these moments. He did not, as I mentioned earlier, tell Elijah, I'm calling this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and they're going to all meet you on the road right there. No. He said, you're going to go this way, and you're going to meet this person, then you're going to meet this person, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. So God has a perfect plan in how he deals with us and the issues that are going forth into the future. I want you to know, God wants you to know, you will never have peace, you will never have purpose, until you do this. Come out, face God, face yourself, and let God take control. When God has control, he will lead. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Isn't that awesome? I have used that verse, God has used that verse, to witness through me and watch people give their lives to Christ through that verse more than any other verse in the Bible. It is like an amazing promise from God that he will forgive everything. None of us have gone too far from his forgiving grace. He's amazing. And he forgives it all. (laughs) So awesome. This is what he tells us in his word. You want that? Do you have that? Church, do you have that forgiveness from him? Well, man, we're going to have a full altar today because there's about three of you that are saved. All right, so anyway, hey, man, he's faithful. He'll forgive you wherever you find yourself today. You got to listen to the voice of God, that Holy Spirit prompting, that whisper as God speaks right now through this message, through his call, through the songs we were singing. God's like, hey, I'm doing something, and we've got to step out and face him and face ourselves. Repent for how we got where we are if we need to. Know that he will forgive and know that he will give direction then. So God will give that step for us. The only way to get past where we are is to confront why we're there. 
Come on, that's like a no-brainer. Why are we where we are? Let's ask God to show us and then ask him for the next step. We have to face him and face what got me in the cave in the first place. If I'm living in a cave, I've got to deal with what put me there, why I put myself there, right? Okay, so here it is. If you forgive those who sin against you, Matthew 6, 14, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So as God says this, he's saying to us, like, I forgive you completely, completely. Now I'm going to help you forgive others completely, the same way I've forgiven you. There are people in our lives that we need to forgive. Um, There are people in our lives that God will have to reveal to us when and how. And if you listen, the Holy Spirit will lead you to that place of forgiveness, and He will lead you on His journey. And when you're on His journey, you will be at peace because God's the one in the lead and not you. And then we're not running in fear. We're living where God wants us. Okay? So I want you to know that God, when you guys, if you have a family and you get together for Christmas, I'm just saying, like, I want to make sure that we're very clear on this and I don't think he wants you to stand up at the Christmas dinner table and say, family, you guys have jacked up my life, but I forgive you. You know, I don't think he wants that. Now, if he does, he'll let you know. But don't do that unless it's clearly God, okay? Because he's not about messing things up. He's about healing things. So there may be people in your family that you need to forgive or that you need to ask them to forgive you. If the Holy Spirit prompts you, you should probably do that, but you should probably do it in private. Let God lead, okay? Don't be, yes, just let God lead. How about that? We'll just let God lead. All right. Uh, Don't let your flesh take control because you're going to end up in a cave. That's what happens. So however God leads you, do you have forgiveness? Do you have forgiveness? Have you forgiven others? Have you forgiven yourself? See, it's only in that threefold forgiveness aspect of God's forgiveness, my forgiveness of others, my forgiveness of self is where peace is and where I can finally hear the direction in my life that God wants me to go. As I mentioned, I've forgiven my father literally seven times of different things that God revealed to me as I was growing in my relationship with Christ. That doesn't mean that, you know, like, it's a one-and-done thing, like I told you. I mean, like, I thought it was over, and I was so glad. The first time I forgave my dad, and I lived here 2,000 miles away from him, I'm like, wow, that's over. Don't have to deal with that again. (laughs) Doesn't work that way, you know? Like, I was, like, relieved, and I felt good, because I was like, I forgive. We're good. Thank you, Jesus. Offered for them to come and live with us, because things happened over there, and uh, they had to find a place to live, and they said no, and I was like, thank you, Jesus. This is awesome. (laughs) I offered God, it's on him, not me, right? No, I mean, my father is with Jesus now, so I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just being honest with you. And uh, as I walked through that journey, God began to reveal to me, like, you need to forgive him for this. You need to forgive him. And I had to forgive myself, and then I had to realize that I needed to repent. Because as I mentioned, I made decisions based on him. How stupid is that? Right? And I look at that and I'm like, whoa, hey, Elijah, I can relate to you, but not in a good way.
allowed my flesh to dictate some of the decisions I made in my life, and I ended up making myself that messed up, broken person over there living in a cave that thought he was transparent to the world when God the whole time was looking at me and saying, why are you here? Come on, come over here. The only way we can live in the center of God's will and experience his purpose and peace in our life is through allowing ourselves to be seen by God and see ourselves by God. That's it. And right then and there, we can finally proceed forward in our relationship with him. You don't have to live in the cave. Do you hear God calling you out of your cave right now? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? If he is, church, as you stand up, the, the action steps are these. Will you physically step out of your cave and come and face God and let him lead your life from this day forward? No more flesh, no more fear, no more self, all God. Stand up with me, would you? For those of you who are following God's lead already, who is it that God needs you to forgive? Who is it that God's showing you you need to forgive? <laughs> who does God want you to speak to or confront? Or who do you need to ask forgiveness for yourself? These are the things that God wants to deal with us on today. And as I mentioned earlier, God wants to do something significant. And I believe that right here is the core to the significance of God's leading in your life. It's right now. The altar's open, man. You need to come. Whatever God's dealing with you about, you need to come. Don't stay in your cave. Come on out. Church, please hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as he calls you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, God, we pray. In the holy, matchless name of Jesus. God, right now, Holy Spirit, only you speak as you call. Call us, Lord. Call us forward. Let us take the cloak from our face and let us see you face to face. Reveal to us, God. Show us. Show me, God. Holy Spirit, only you. We rebuke the enemy, the lying deceiver that he is, the false light. We reject him in Jesus' name. We declare you, Holy Spirit, the authority and the power here in this place to move in the hearts of your people and those who are to become your people in this very moment. Have your way. We surrender, God. All right, church, just want to say thank you for being here. You're welcome to join us at the altar for prayer. You're welcome to speak with one another, and you are dismissed. And I ask God to bless you today. Thank you so much for being in this house. We love you. Those of you there at the altar, please just wait on God here. Don't go anywhere without <laughs> saying yes to whatever God's dealing with you about. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God.